Now, what I suggest you do is this. Have yourself seated with your backs as straight as possible, but not stiff. Don't put words on But if you can't help words running in your head, don't think it's good. Hi everyone, I'm Chris with the Super Dharma Bros. Um, today I'm doing a solo talk on um, sex and Buddhism. Ooh, exciting. Um, so yeah, so, so sex and Buddhism for whatever reason in the West isn't something that's discussed that often. And while we have like talks and essays Unlike literally every other part of our lives as Buddhists, um, the sex thing doesn't come up a lot. Um, and many interpret that silence as a sort of laissez-faire attitude, which I think in the West is pretty much how Western Buddhists have approached sex. Um, because Buddhism has strong ties with academia here. Uh, you kind of almost find that the sexual attitudes of most kind of like boomer generation Western Buddhists um, and Gen X Western Buddhists kind of fits with whatever the general liberal attitude towards sex is at that time. However, traditionally, this isn't always the case, and it you know really depends on the tradition you're talking about. Um, but I think it's important that as Western Buddhists, we acknowledge and kind of look into this more so that we don't kind of have this ideal vision of what Buddhism is and then have that ruined when um, when we find something that doesn't fit with our idea of what we thought Buddhism would be. So in the Pali canon, uh, Theravadan Buddhism, uh, like what Kevin practices, um, sex is pretty much either expressly forbidden by monks for lay people, it's regulated, but it's regulated pretty much around whether or not the woman in the sexual relationship is protected by her family or not. Um, there's some other things, but that's the main one. Um, or otherwise, pretty much sex just isn't discussed too much. Um, in my own tradition, which is the Bajrayana or Tibetan tradition, um, you do start to find that there are... Regulations around sex that start sounding like Judeo-Christian ones. Um, so we do have teachers and, you know, various degrees of monks or priests who can have sex. Um, but you do start to see things like no homosexuality among men. Um, for whatever reason, women get a pass on this one. Um, no non-reproductive sex. So like all the fun things you do around sex. Um, and even edicts on only having sex at night and limiting the number of orgasms and things like that. Um, and while it's tempting to think that like that poly thing we talked about earlier sounded so much better, the reality is that like a lot of that wasn't built so much on consent as it was built on family dynamics and property rights around women, um, which I feel dirty just saying that sentence. Um, so yeah, it's kind of clear that if that sounds irrelevant to our time, I think it's because it is. It Most of it is. And when 
when His Holiness Dalai Lama was asked about this exact sort of thing and whether he would take the steps to change those those attitudes towards sex, he had this really kind of nuanced response, which was that he thought that if community Buddhist communities wanted to take those steps, that they should sit down, discuss them, and take those steps to removing those things. But he acknowledged that it wasn't his choice to unilaterally do that for the Tibetan traditions that he is a figure in. And I'll be honest, a part of me wishes he would come out more strongly and say that, you know, those things should be reevaluated. Um, but I also acknowledge that he is the head of a persecuted religious tradition. So keeping it alive in certain forms, he has to be really careful about what he does and doesn't do. Um, that said, he did very explicitly say over and over that sexuality should never be a point of persecution or separating ourselves from others, you know? Um, so he is very clear about that. But, but I think that that clause he had about, you know, that individual modern communities need to establish and decide how they feel about sex, frankly, makes me feel empowered uh, to speak about what I think Buddhists should be thinking about around sex in the West and what a kind of Western concept of Buddhism and sexuality might look like here. Um, and these are my own ideas, but I, I do, and, and there are other ideas, you know, but they're my opinions, I guess. But I, I feel like we can be having these talks and we don't necessarily have to fully rely on what was said before. I think we need to look at what was said before, but we don't have to just go, that's what I'm doing and believing and that's it. So I think a Western Buddhist perspective on sex is one which can recognize the place for sex and sexuality to be healthy and natural, but also understands the power and gravity that can surround sex. However, like all things, we should understand that our understanding of sex cannot be guided by generalized edicts or prohibitions but must be understood person-to-person, relationship-to-relationship. On a strictly moral, interpersonal end, it is clear our sexuality should be guided around principles of consent and concern. That's relatively simple. But we must also recognize that so much of our sexuality is our own experience with it. So our sexuality and our sexual urges, like any other part of us, are biological. They're integral to the human animal that we are. Like any other part of our biology, each person, person's relationship to sex is unique, existing on this vast and changing spectrum, both changing in how we as humans understand it, but also we, as we understand our own sexuality can change throughout our life. And I think if we don't understand or if we repress or deny our sexuality, it's likely we can become unconsciously trapped by it or affected by it. I, I think denial or idealism is always kind of the enemy to mindfulness in a way. And as we've talked about before, mindfulness is such a key part of almost any Buddhist practice. 
even if it's not just meditation, as long it's being mindful, being honest with ourselves and what's going on in ourselves. However, I think we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that the exploration of our sexuality is the final frontier, that it's the place to find ultimate identity and liberation. Rather, we should aim to view our sexuality as just another dimension of our life, a place where our practice can play out beautifully should we be mindful of it. So what does mindfulness around sex look like? Uh, For those who experience a desire for sex, we should be asking, how much of this is a bodily human desire for sex? And how much of this is a narrative or a story I'm telling around sex? How much of my sexuality is about sex and how much is about notions and concepts I hold about sex and my partners. How much of it is an idea I hold about myself? And that's the dog barking. <laughs> okay, I think he's done. When sexual, so look at so much of our art around sex. There's these longing, romantic, idealized, almost desperate and devastating stories of power and allure and longing and like all this or there's using sex as this symbol of greatness of prowess of wealth of being desirable but almost none of those things are sex they're ideas around sex and when sexuality goes wrong when it becomes hurtful to ourselves and others, when it becomes predatory, how much of that is tied to a person's basic sexual drives? And how much of that is tied to larger ideas and narratives around power, around control, around self-aggrandizement that that person has? How often are we bending our sexuality to reflect a story that we want to be true about us? How much are we actually sitting and just listening to what our bodies want? So when we sit and look at sexual feelings that arise, we should ask, how much of this sexuality, how much, how much of this is sexuality? How much of this is the ego's attempt to dig in, to identify, to hold on, to feel real and in control at that moment? So for lay people, I don't think we should view sex as a barrier to practice, but it's just one more dimension where we need to analyze and explore, and it's one more place where our ego will clearly try and manifest itself. And in that way, that's a perfect place for us to kind of see what's going on and to see what happens to our sexual feelings when we catch that happening. So... Celibacy. And how does celibacy fit into this? Because celibacy is a big thing in Buddhism. In almost all traditions, there's a form of it somewhere, um, whether mandated or, cho- or you know, a personal choice. And I think a lot of non-Buddhists view monastic celibacy as completely unhealthy as a denial of basic human desires that, if unfulfilled, leads to this like neurosis and asocial behavior. When, when bad things happen in Buddhist communities, 
among celibate practitioners, people often point to the celibacy as the thing that caused it. And I don't know if I if I buy that because non-celibate people do awful things too, you know. I, I don't know if that's the root cause, although I don't deny that it could be a part of it. So if we understand the possibility of the, sex, of the sexual experience as a spectrum, then how can we deny the possibility of a healthy asexual lifestyle? Asexuality is a part of the sexual spectrum as well. And I'll admit, I, I do have deep reservations about monks taking vows of celibacy before they're of an age to properly understand sex. Um, however, in traditions that do allow for monks and priests to have sex or to marry, there are still those who take vows of celibacy. Sometimes these vows aren't forever, and sometimes they come at different points in their life. But I think there's merit to that. I think there's merit to the idea of not engaging with the thing to kind of better understand it or to really evaluate what role it plays in your life. And outside of Buddhism, in the modern Western culture, we see this as well. People looking to fully immerse themselves in a pursuit, whether it's educational or professional or athletic or spiritual, they often take time from dating, from relationships, and from sex so that they can fully focus on what they need to be doing and what they want to learn. So uh, while I myself don't view celibacy as a requirement for enlightenment, I do think that it can be a useful tool for many as they better aim to pursue it. And I think celibacy can be equally, an equally healthy expression of a person's relationship with their sexuality as well. So in summary, I think for the Western Buddhist, sexuality can remain a part of our life, but it's an equally important part of our practice and self-examination. It's something we must sit with and we must be mindful with, that we must understand the narratives and the stories we've built around our sexuality. And while sex is something we can enjoy and explore, we also understand that if we lose ourselves in our sexuality, we may, we may find that the ego's constant attempt to create a self with a capital S, a thing that we view as our nature, as unchanging, as this thing that's just us and who we are and always. If we view the pleasurable thing we feel like that, and it's just another way that the ego tries to cling, but I think if we can remain mindful and if we can remain honest, then our sexuality can become just another beautiful, complicated facet of our life. And then it's yet another piece of ourselves that we can look at and hold honestly and really look at, but understand that it's just another part of us and that maybe we can look beyond it the same way we do with every other part of ourselves when we sit and meditate. So those are my thoughts on sex and Buddhism. Um, 
definitely feel free to share, uh, share your thoughts and opinions, um, things you like, things you didn't like. Um, I'm going to list a couple of little sources in the notes. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping soon to do a talk on relationships in Buddhism, because that's another thing that comes up and clearly ties into the sex thing. Um, so yeah, so it was good talking. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you're all well, and I will undoubtedly talk to you soon. So thank you very much. Bye. Now what I suggest you do is this. Have yourself seated with your backs as straight as possible, but not stiff. Don't put words on it. But you can't help words running in your head. Don't interfere.